Blog Talk Radio. Yes, we are back. Our first podcast in 2017. Welcome to Inside the Burger Shop, another edition. This is Ryan Berger taking you through the next hour. Uh, discussion at the intersection of sports, technology, entertainment, culture, marketing, and more. Happy and healthy New Year to everybody listening. It was a fantastic year last year with the podcast. So, of course, thanks to everybody that's listened in the past and, of course, that's listening today. Whether you're listening live, you're downloading the podcast off of iTunes, and you're commuting or traveling, however you are accessing the podcast, thanks much for listening. We have an exciting show today that we'll get into in just a couple of minutes. It is January 12th, a very warm Thursday in New York City. Uh, almost 60 degrees a couple days after it being about 5 degrees. So sort of a strange back and forth, but it's a special day in my world, and that's because it is the big birthday of my mom. So I'm sure she's listening, as she always does. And shout out to my mom for uh, another great birthday. She's uh, the greatest mom. I know every every kid says that about their moms, but she is sincerely the best. So Happy birthday to uh, to my mom, Karen Berger, and uh, have a great day, Mom. And, of course, uh, we love you and hope that uh, you'll have a fun day and a fun evening tonight. Um, of course, thanks to our sponsors, uh, Hyper, of course, the founding sponsor of our show, and Hyper is the largest database of influencers in the world. You can find out more information about Hyper at Hyper Brands. H-Y-P-R-Brands.com. Hyper is a really interesting business and a company that's been with us from the beginning. Also, thanks to the guys at Crowdline. Crowdline is a leader in predictive gaming. Head over to thecrowdline.com. Make your prediction today about what's going to happen in games tonight and receive um, opportunities and gifts and all kinds of rewards for 
making your correct predictions. And, of course, our newest and latest sponsor, and that's my guys down at Pita Express, the best Mediterranean food and hummus in New York City. Head on down 15 Ann Street, downtown New York City. Mention you're a listener of the podcast. Get yourself a free appetizer, some hummus, and uh, some of the best. Head down to Billy Kotler down there at uh, Pita Express. So thanks to all of our all of our partners, and it's been a uh, a really wild week in sports. And you know we're excited to have a good show today. We also are going to go back to back with a show tomorrow. We're going to be joined by Mark Burns from Sports Techie, who will talk to us about some of the things he's working on at the intersection of sports and, and technology. But today we are joined by the head of communications. Uh, at the college football playoff, Gina Leahy, and Gina is one of the great people in the business and an absolute sweetheart, but someone who does an incredible job uh, around the college football playoff and with the big classic game on Monday between Alabama and Clemson, I thought it was a perfect time to have Gina on. So Gina, welcome to Inside the Burger Shop. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and thank you for having me. I, I have to apologize. I'm I'm a, about a day away from losing my voice, so you caught me just in time. <laughs> that makes two of us. I was actually out, <laughs> out sick yesterday, and I have my sucking candies right next to the phone here, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm right in your world of uh, that time of year. Um, how are you besides losing your voice? Doing really well. Um, this is this is an exciting time of year. Obviously, a little little sad that uh, college football season is officially over, but we couldn't have asked for a better ending to another awesome season. Um, the game was tremendous. The the week experience in Tampa was amazing. Our local organizing committee went above and beyond the call of duty in presenting an extraordinary time and experience for fans who traveled to Tampa for for the game. So it's it was it's bittersweet that it's over, but I think we all need rest now. <laughs> it's funny. I was in I was in Arizona for the holidays, and I go out to dinner, and a bunch of guys walk in with orange sweaters, and in comes in comes Coach Dabo Sweeney, one of the great personalities and an absolute genius on the football field and it could have been sweeter and it was just you know, it was great to see what they were able you know, to accomplish. But before we get into the on the field stuff, I want to sort of talk to you a little bit about what you do. I mean, you're, you're the Senior Director of Communications and Branding at the College Football Playoff. I think that's a job that not a lot of people know exists. I don't think a lot of people know how to get something like that. We have a lot of people who listen to the show or who, who follow sports, who work in sports, marketing and whatnot, you know, give us a sense of your career path and how you ended up doing what you were doing. Now, how do you get a job like that? Who hires you? How do you get involved in something so interesting as what you're up to? Well, I often tell people that I've been in the right place at the right time throughout my career, and I spoke at a couple of events over the last two weeks and realized this was my 20th bowl season, and it's hard to believe it's been 20 years since I somewhat accidentally stumbled into this career. I started as an intern in college um, at the then Insight.com Bowl, and we, I remember when that, that title sponsor came in, my job at the time was to explain to everybody what .com meant because nobody understood why there was a sponsor that was called .com. And, I mean, trying to explain that at that time in 1997, I know that doesn't sound that long ago, but .com was 
totally unheard of. And so I started as an intern in college. Um, when I graduated in December of 99, the Arizona Sports Foundation that ran the Fiesta Bowl acquired rights to the Insight.com Bowl. So it moved from Tucson to Phoenix. And again, I was in the right place at the right time. So I moved along with it right after I graduated college. Um, stayed at the Fiesta Bowl and, and Insight.com Bowl until 2006, my last game um, in 2007, and got a call from the folks in Pasadena who were creating basically a, a new position. Um, and, and to say this is also a little bizarre, but for years, uh, the Rose Bowl is obviously a huge traditional game and has been around for over 100 years, but they had been run and operated by their conference partners at the Pac-10, then the Pac-10 and Big Ten, and didn't have a full-time media director. So I became their first full-time director of media, um, which was an, a tremendous opportunity for me professionally to go in and, and start something really from the ground up. I uh, really enjoyed my time there and was not looking to leave, but uh, got a call from Bill Hancock that they were starting a new postseason of football, trans uh, transforming, if you will, the, the BCS into the college football playoff, and they wanted me to come join the team. And it was another amazing career opportunity for me to come in and, and really create something from from blank blank sheets of paper, if you will. Um, interestingly enough, you know, over the years, my title has involved public relations, media relations, but this was really the first position where branding became part of my job title. And I think that's really important um, because branding has definitely evolved throughout, you know, the course of, of the last 10, 12 years, if you will. Um, but it's probably the largest part of my job now of, of overseeing our brand. And it's not just a logo. It's not just our IP. Um, it's how we think we see things come to life uh, through events, through traditional branding pieces, collateral, et cetera. But um, branding really is positioning our company uh, and telling its story in various formats throughout the year. So I do traditional media, you know, press releases, uh, game programs, collateral pieces, media operations of credentialing and our hotel arrangements and press conferences. Um, but the branding piece is, is a huge element that I interact with everyone here in our office from marketing to operations, team experiences. Um, it's, it's all really collectively ab about the brand and, and the um, image that comes across and the experience that people have as part of the, as part of the college football playoff. And, and it's interesting, you know, the college football playoff, I don't think people realize when you say our company, how many people work there and that there's a real company behind it. I think when you hear about the college football playoff most of the time, it's about people thinking that other teams should be in it than actually who's in it themselves. So you have a lot of constant controversy about it. As the person that's sort of playing point guard on communications, is that good or bad for the college football playoff, because clearly there's a lot of word of mouth and there's constant buzz, especially on social media with people believing their team or other teams, whether it's a Penn State, et cetera, this year should be a part of it. Now, how do you operate in that world? And we'll talk about clients in a second and brands you work with, but how does that work with sort of the constant controversy? Do you let that go or do you jump in and kind of answer it? How does that work, especially from a social standpoint? 
Well, the the conversation surrounding the playoff is is all healthy, and we welcome all of it, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I had a, a coach tell me when I was very young playing basketball that the day he stops yelling at me and he stops encouraging me to do better is the day I need to worry because that means he doesn't care anymore. And I've really taken that to heart with me throughout my life in, in personal and professional settings. But when people stop talking about college football and what they think should be the process and how they think the postseason should should play out, that'll be an indication that the interest is going away. I think we're on the complete opposite end of that. Social media has only amplified the conversation, uh, given folks a platform to speak about college football in a 24-hour news cycle, seven days a week. Um, you know, we don't have quote-unquote off-season anymore. We used to talk about after the bowl game was over, we had downtime, and that just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we're, we're already right into recruiting, and before we know it, spring practice, spring ball will come around, media days, so it really doesn't ever end, um, and that's the great part of where we are with college football. The, the energy, the excitement, the social conversation around it continues to rise. It doesn't decline. It only continues to rise, and, and as new platforms come on the scene, you know, two years ago, two or three years ago with Snapchat, uh, that opened up an entirely new demographic of conversation around college football and sports in general. So it only continues to rise. And, and as my coach said, um, when people stop talking about it, then I think I'll, I'll probably start to worry. But right now we're in a pretty healthy, healthy situation. That's, uh, uh, I know that world well, and basketball specifically and coaching. And when you yell, you really care. And when you stop yelling is when you sort of checked out and you're not that interested. And again, we're talking to uh, Gina Leahy, Senior Director of Communications and Branding at the College Football Playoff. A fantastic follow on Twitter. You can follow at Gina underscore Leahy, L-E-A-G. So when you get 5 million more followers, remember where they came from, Gina. Um, I will remember. (laughs) You mentioned uh, it's a 12-month sport, and, and, and so many sports have become that everyone's kind of fighting for real estate. The playoff is an area that is, you know, the last two years you have games actually on New Year's Eve. There's been a lot of pushback regarding ratings, regarding inconvenience. Most people go out unless you're sort of a sicko like me who loves to stay home and and watch watch (laughs) these big games. You know, give us a sense of where that is. Is that, is that also a big discussion? Um, Will this eventually move? I guess it's a two-part question. One is, will this move to a different date, number one? And number two, an obvious question, which is a lot of people want this uh, going from four to eight teams. How far off is that? Will that ever happen? Um, or, Or do you guys feel like where you've landed four teams in New Year's Eve is really the right formula? Well, we we did listen to the fans and to the media and to our constituents over the course of the last three years and did make some slight adjustments uh, prior to going into this postseason. There was a shift in the day for the Orange Bowl this year. We moved the games on New Year's Eve up by an hour to allow for people to still plan for their New Year's Eve. But I think one of the things that we all need to be careful of is is 
hanging our hat on ratings and the terminology of ratings is something that is somewhat antiquated. Um, we try and talk in viewership because the consumption of sports is being taken in on, on so many different platforms now. It's not just people sitting down and turning their TV on. Um, the numbers continue to rise with mobile viewership uh, and the consumption in a digital space. So we really don't get hung up on, on ratings per se. Um, there are plenty of people still watching. We've got over 25 million people in viewership on traditional platforms of ESPN. ESPN and ESPN2, um, the, the social media numbers of engagement are outstanding. I mean, it, it's amazing to see the numbers on Facebook and Twitter and Periscope and Facebook Live and Instagram stories and Snapchat filters. So again, all of these different elements contribute into the viewership of the game. So there's not concern um, from a, from a, a rating standpoint on people watching the games, experiencing the games. I mean, again, this is talking about on the outside that you don't even take into account the folks who are actually attending the event and watching in person. Um, so I would say that everybody is very, very pleased with the outcome of the first three years, feel that the selection committee has gotten it right. There's absolutely no cry or call from the inside to change the format. Um, that is truly a, a fan slash media story that, again, goes back to what we just talked about is people just want to talk and, and, and about college football and what, what could happen. Um, but I can tell you that whether it's the conference commissioners, the school presidents, the coaches themselves, the student athletes, nobody is interested or having discussions about expanding the playoff right now. Um, you know, who knows what the future may hold, but we've got a, a contract in place with our television broadcast partner uh, and our institutions that the, the four-team playoff is the right number. And um, unless things change drastically, and, and they would need to be quite quite drastic for that to even be presented as a topic of discussion at the table, which it, at this current time it is absolutely not. So. Um, we've experienced tremendous success in three years, and then there's no other way really to put it. And it's it's not bragging on the college football playoff. It's a tribute to the sport in general um, and the enthusiasm surrounding it, uh, the support of our leadership, and, and really some of the changes that took place between BCS and CFP era that, you know, one of them most significantly including the selection committee and having a group of high-integrity human beings who can sit around and actually discuss the teams in significant detail um, and not just plug in a number with a computer system. Um, that, that has been probably the most significant change and probably the healthiest change that has happened that has enabled college football to continue to rise. It's fantastic. You know, it really is the, the ability to crown a winner and have the final four and my favorite sport in the world is actually college hoops, and they they have it. And, you know, the challenge with the college hoops is they spend three months of playing games that, frankly, don't mean that much when you take in 64, 68 teams into a tournament, and then of course the Final Four and the champion. And the reason why college football is so fantastic is, you know, one game can knock you out, and we saw it with a lot of teams over the past couple of years. We even saw it with Clemson this year, who barely got by NC State if it was basically an extra point that was missed. So that is, every game means so much on Saturdays. That is why the sport is so fantastic and bleeds into, you know, the Final Four itself. 
So the other thing is I'd like to just quickly chat about ESPN. We know from the hyper data here that ESPN, 30 million followers on Twitter, 15 million on Facebook, and 7 million on Instagram, you know, getting about almost 100,000 likes for every one of their posts on Instagram, and a little over 90,000. You mentioned the importance of social media and college football. Obviously, ESPN and their machine is a key component to this and the, the constant talking, the pregame. I think Monday night I, I was got home slightly later, so I DVR'd the beginning, but there was like seven programs on before the game that were focused on the game itself. You, when you're on CBS or you're on ABC, it doesn't work that way. But give us a sense of how important ESPN is to, to, be, to this partnership. Oh, they, they've been amazing partners. And, and from day one, as you can imagine, you know, there's so many social media companies out there who have great product and could bring a lot to the table. But ultimately, you know, my, my greatest goal at the time was to get ESPN on board because what they could bring to the table uh, in partnership with us was far greater than anything we could pay for um, in, a, in a partnership with another company. So having them be in sync with messaging and help amplify our story, help educate uh, the whole who's in campaign, they've been integral into the acceptance of this postseason process and to the education of people understanding how it works. And I often remind people that the, the BCS was around for 16 years, and in the 16th year, I was still trying to explain to people how it worked. So huh. by no means in three short years do we expect that everyone understands how the college football playoff process works or the selection committee, but with their help, um, they've they've told the story and they've reached out on all kinds of platforms that we never imagined. Um, the Disney family, you know, building Legos and having Lego stories about the trophy. Um, they've, they've utilized cross platforms to help promote and educate fans in a way that again, you know, our reach at the time we were starting everything from zero. We had zero followers on Facebook. We had zero followers on Twitter. So everything was very new to us, but uh, a lot of people don't realize, you, you mentioned it, ESPN um, actually in the last year of the, the BCS National Championship game started what they, they term a mega cast, um, which covers all different platforms, but also creates different type of viewership experiences for people that if they want to watch the camera that's in the pylon pylons on the field, they can literally tune to a channel that literally only shows the cameras and the pylons. Um, they won an Emmy for that last year because it, it's an amazing view. I don't know if I'd watch an entire three-hour-plus game from a pylon camera, but um, the, the view is incredible. Uh, and they actually bring more cameras to cover the national championship game for us than the Super Bowl has for their event. So that's how elevated this game coverage um, with ESPN is during the national championship game. We're in the 90 to 100 different cameras positioned throughout the stadium to do our, our telecast. So it, it's quite an undertaking. Um, they've got an amazing group of people who come together and, and produce this uh, mega cast for us that includes, as I mentioned, all of their ESPN networks, um, SEC network, et cetera. Everybody kind of takes a part and give, uh, provides a different angle and, and lead um, for folks to tune 
tune in and, and consume the national championship game. So they're a tremendous partner. Um, obviously, we, we leaned very heavily on them in year one to help start and launch our brand. Uh, but now we, we really try and work in sync and complement what each other is, is pushing out from a messaging standpoint more than anything. And they have a little more flexibility um, to talk team specific. We try and keep our messaging very um, generic and uh, we're never we're never in the business of, of identifying particular players or teams. Uh, we want to present the story from a, a very organic, authentic way that is truly universal versus being focused in or zeroed in on, on any specific team or player. Yeah, it's funny. I have uh, I just moved and built the house and in our basement uh, as a sports nut, as you know I am. I actually put up five five televisions and um, nice. <laughs> and I was able I was able to actually consume myself with every one of those uh, channels during the mega cast, and I found it interesting to sort of mute the game and have Jay Billis and Bill Walton break it down on one of the other TVs and you move around and you get such a different angle and, and, and hear about you know different things and then last night I put on my daydream VR uh, glasses I guess you could refer to them with my Google phone and I watched a live game between the Utah Jazz excuse me the uh, Utah Jazz and, and the Cleveland Cavs was two nights ago and uh, in VR and um, the NBA is now producing one time a week live v virtual reality NBA basketball games, and you can't believe how incredible it is. Now, have you guys given any thought to the VR experience in 2017? It's obviously going to be you know, very popular, become more common. You guys are obviously at the end of 2017, so it gives you some real time to, to, to deliver something like this. Has that been discussed at all around virtual reality? Um, as a matter of fact, yes, it has. We uh, we brought in a company this year to do some behind the scenes uh, and kind of give us a sample flavor of what is what's out there for us. So we had a company come in and Friday through Tuesday really attend all of our public and fan events. Uh, they came on game day, so we are exploring it. Um, as far as the actual game telecast is concerned, I'm sure that's something ESPN's looking into. But we were able to look at some of the um, some of the the stuff that this company had done earlier in the regular football season that was very impressive. So kind of a little bit of a, a trial, if you will, to see you know what what is available to us, how we may be able to use it. But it's certainly something that has piqued my interest um and we want to everything we do we're trying to be industry leaders in at least in our space and so that was really important that we uh, at least sample out there what, what's available to us and get a, a good handle on what we may able may be able to do in the coming year again we're talking to gina leahy gina is the senior director of communications and branding at the college football playoff a Fantastic follow on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Gina underscore Leahy, L-E-H-E. And Gina, I know your throat is bothering you, so I don't want to keep you much longer, but I do want to ask you a couple of things regarding on the field. Um, you know, four teams, Washington, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, first round games not very close, 31 nothing, and I think 24-7. And then an absolute classic on Monday night between Clemson and Alabama, a game in which, you know, a lot of people actually picked Clemson to win. There was some 
articles I read uh, on ESPN about the, the the amount of money that people won on Clemson, and it seemed like almost everybody was picking Clemson and underdog to win the game. And I guess Vegas had a tough night with the game, which is always fun for a lot of people. I wanted to ask you um, your thoughts on those programs, specifically Clemson and Alabama. Alabama, a very long-storied program, a dominant dynasty, Coach Saban, uh, and a very different way that they play. And then, of course, this upstart Clemson program, the incredible uh, uh, opportunity that Coach Sweeney has and what he's been able to do to that program and, and, and the two teams that have been in the, now the college football playoff the last two years. But give us a sense about those two teams, working with those two teams, those two coaches and, and what it's like. Well, I had the the great fortune of meeting um, Coach Saban and Alabama in my last year while I was at the Rose Bowl. They they played in the last BCS National Championship game, so um, have had an opportunity to work with them several times now. Uh, there's a great program, some incredible people, and, and there's no question he's one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. Um, he's He's intense, uh, but his intensity equates to success, and uh, those around him and those with the program expect a lot out of one another, and um, they're they're just a tremendous uh, team to watch execute uh, to the highest level, really, at, at all times. Um, Clemson, as you mentioned, this was a rematch from last year, so a, a, another opportunity that I had to work with their team, and Coach Sweeney is um, just a salt-of-the-earth man. Uh, I've, I'm impressed every time I'm around him. He's a man of faith um, and not ashamed or afraid to express his faith in, uh, in public settings with media, um, and, and it shows with his team that they respect him for that. Uh, it's a family feeling. So two different styles, if you will, um, but both two incredibly successful coaches who have unbelievable instinct um, and uh, and ability to find ways to win. So it was a great game. Uh, I was in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, and as you mentioned, neither, neither of our semifinal games were much of a contest. Um, but that's the risk that we take. You know, we, we had on paper great matchups. Um, they were very well attended. But ultimately, as we talked a little bit earlier, the, the whole ratings conversation is how the game plays out on the field ultimately will equate into numbers of, of what people will judge. Um, but regardless of what happened on the field for those games, the experience for the teams and, and the student athletes and the coaches was ex- exceptional. Uh, the fans that attended both those games had a wonderful time. So we were very fortunate to, to end up with two of the best teams in the country for our national championship game. And honestly, I am um, working like crazy on game day and uh, aside from knowing the final score because we have to keep track of all of those things for media purposes I did not watch much of the game I was on the field for the last probably eight minutes which was thrilling Um, but we are as a staff going to watch the game tomorrow and we're going to have lunch and watch the game tomorrow for for those of us who didn't have an opportunity to actually watch the game in person because we were running around working so typically I wait until March to watch the game, so this is really early for me. <laughs> that's, that's very, very. Uh, it's funny. It, it, you know, it's funny about that game. The, the first half, I would even say, while you know, well decently played, it wasn't a great classic game. But the fourth quarter was as good as any 
the fourth quarter you'll see and at, at any level of, of sports, college, pros, even high school, it was just a, a phenomenal back and forth and, you know, two teams that uh, are obviously powerhouses and uh, it was just, you know, so much fun to watch and, you know, Clemson is a, such an interesting uh, program, what he's done with it and I know we've had Jonathan Gann on a couple times who's the head of communications over at Clemson Football and they do such an amazing job with their uh, social media and the hyper numbers showing almost several thousand, hundred thousand followers on Twitter as does Alabama football. And it is amazing to see how they operate and when they sort of, when they pulled into Arizona and I went by their hotel and how many people were out there. And they, you're right, it's a family feeling around Clemson. And I was invited to go down to a game and bring the podcast down to Jonathan last year. I just wasn't able to do it, which kind of bummed about knowing that they were able to win the national championship this year. But it is, and, and the other thing is, it looks like it's such a great stadium to watch games at. Um, it's a trip that I absolutely want to make in the next coming year, even though uh, Deshaun Watson won't, won't be there. It's a, it's a place that clearly everyone should visit. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny actually. This morning, and I'm I'm not sure if any of your listeners or even you yourself, we've for the last few years have worked closely with the Empire State Building um, to light up the Empire State Building with the colors of the winning team. And we got a really sweet note today from just a, a random Clemson fan who said something to the effect of, you know, we're this tiny little southern town and we're on the national stage and I couldn't believe when I heard and saw that the Empire State Building in New York City recognized this little old team and what the Tigers are all about and um, getting notes like that are what it's all about uh, and they they sent it to the Empire State Building customer service, you know, general email box, but the people in, in Clemson were thrilled beyond belief and, and for them to kind of make it to New York City, the, the big the big town of New York City and see the, the orange and purple lit, lighting up the Empire State Building. That was that was something they, they will not forget, that's for sure. It's great to uh <laughs> it's really great to hear. Well look, next time you come to this city please stop by and, and say hi and in the meantime get some NyQuil and feel better and get some rest and congratulations on an incredible amount of success and another year of, uh, of incredible success and incredible games and uh, looking forward to catching up with you shortly. I'm sure we'll bump into each other in the next couple months and then we'll have you on this next year before the games to do a little preview as opposed to after. So we appreciate you coming on and spending a couple minutes with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Happy New Year and I'll look forward to seeing you soon. You got it, Gina. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Gina Leahy, uh, head of communications of the college football playoff. She's fantastic and does an incredible job. And you can follow her on Twitter at Gina underscore Leahy, L-E-H-E. An incredible person and a really interesting job that she has. And uh, I thought it was interesting to get a sense of how do you get that job um, you know, who hires you, and clearly it came through other balls uh, to outreach to her. So thanks to Gina and the college football playoff committee and the, and the overall company for having Gina on today. And you know, before we uh, wrap things up, I quickly want to uh, discuss the other thing that's going on in sports, um, and that's what's going on around the NFL and the NBA. And here in New York, of course, the NBA is not a subject that much, most people are smiling about, 
specifically what's going on in, in inside the New York Knicks organization. Uh, just an absolute heartbreaking loss last night at Philadelphia. A heartbreaker a couple nights before that versus the Bucks. Several leads being lost, uh, and of course the buzzer beaters by the Greek Freak and last night by T.J. McConnell to send the Knicks into an absolute tailspin. The bigger issue is, of course, what's happening with the players, uh, the, the controversy and the missing of Derrick Rose a couple nights ago, and, of course, the constant uh, Carmelo Anthony saga, the tr no trade clause that Melo has, um, the opportunity for Knicks fans to finally turn the page, and it's going to be a very challenging situation. Knicks lost 9 of 10 in Chicago tonight. Um, now will they move Melo and bring in some young uh, players? You have to start building this team around Porzingis. You can't keep patchworking the Knicks with uh, older veterans, band-aids, I would refer to them as, to try and come in and work with KP and try to get the sixth or seventh or eighth seed and then get waxed in the first round. It makes absolutely no sense. The idea is to compete for a ring and to be a young team that up and comers together. If you look at what the Sixers, who tanked for years, but they not only have Embiid and Noel and Okafor, but they have two picks this year and Sarek, and they might get the number one pick. They, it is fascinating to see what they've been able to build, but they're all coming up together at the same time, whereas the Knicks have guys that are on their last legs, guys that are 21, and it's totally imbalanced. And I don't know if there are teams out there that are willing to take Carmelo Anthony, both his contract and his style of play, but I'll tell you, if you could get anything assets back, picks, young players, You've got to turn the, the page here. Porzingis is starting to be poisoned. You could tell in his quotes and the things that he's talking about and how his play has become. The more this nonsense goes on, the more KP was go is going to drift. So in my sort of two-minute, three-minute soliloquy on the Knicks here, if Phil Jackson is listening, and I'm sure Big Chief Triangle is not, but it is time, Phil. I've been on this bandwagon for probably two years that I've seen enough and I've really seen enough now. It is enough of this nonsense. It's time to turn the page and build around Kristaps Porzingis. And before we end the show, I wanted to quickly touch on uh, the NFL. Four big games this weekend coming off of the wild card weekend last weekend. Pittsburgh over Miami. And, of course, Pittsburgh in a fantastic 1 o'clock game this Sunday at the Arrowhead against the Chiefs, which should be a fantastic football game. Um, Green Bay putting an absolute hurt on that quote-unquote great Giants defense. Blew them out in the second half. And how good is Aaron Rodgers? I mean, absolutely incredible. Green Bay at Dallas, Sunday, 440, which should be a beauty. Uh, the rookie is Dak and, and – uh, and the running back, Ezekiel, going up against this high-powered Green Bay offense, probably no Jordy Nelson. Seattle took care of business Saturday night against the Lions and now goes into the high-powered offense of the Atlanta Falcons, an indoor dome game. That's the Saturday afternoon game. That should be a fun game. And Seattle is a team that has dominated for a long time. 
They are not as dominant as they used to be from their running game to their defense. And Atlanta is very high-powered, throws the ball all over the field, runs the ball. Great, great game of two teams playing totally different styles. And then the Saturday night game is kind of a, a snore, which is why they buried it in the worst time of the weekend for television, and that's the Patriots and the Texans, the Texans beating the Derek Carlos Raiders over the weekend, and the Patriots having a bye, and now host uh, Brock Osweiler and the Texans and Gillette and the big, uh, the big Razor uh, Saturday night, and the hoodie Belichick will have his team ready, I'm sure, uh, for fun games this weekend, the Patriots, eh, and then we'll get into next weekend, which is you know, some incredible stuff around you know, championship weekend and whatnot. So uh, it should be a fantastic weekend of action. Uh, we're on tomorrow with Mark Burns from Sport Techie. You have MLK Day on Monday and all the meaning that Martin Luther King had with all the craziness that's going on in this country, whether it's the president, the election, constant nonsense that's happening all over the world, but the one power and the one really good thing is that you look at a guy like Martin Luther King and everything he stood for, and on Monday, most people, hopefully all people, will take off of work and observe that holiday. You have a lot of NBA on that day, during the day, to sort of give people a chance to watch some hoop and observe and think about all the things that Martin Luther King stood for. So, um, Thanks to Gina Leahy for coming on today and the College Football Playoff uh, Company for allowing Gina to spend some time with us today. Download our podcast and subscribe on iTunes. Looking forward to tomorrow's show with Mark Burns of Sport Techie. As my man Mad Dog Russo likes to say, adios. Podcast, the one that you heard about, talking sports media, buzz and the word of mouth, social is the currency, seeing what the buzz will be, talking sports and culture, you never know what'll be coming next, cause that's the type of podcast you listen to, powered by the hyper, brands, who the man, yo, Ryan at the forefront, got it on my iTunes, walking through the storefront, listen to the broadcast, he touches almost anything, sports, culture, media, technology, and marketing, so listen to the man right ahead of his time, on your podcast, you can download or listen live, so here comes the podcast, here comes your host, the Burger Shop, now live from coast to coast, and any way you want to do it, listen to the show, Ron got the insights, the Burger Shop, you know, Burger